Welcome to Come Follow Me Mental Health Insights with Dr. David Morgan. Each week we'll review a concept from the Come Follow Me lesson and talk about applications to improve our mental and emotional health. Hi, welcome to episode 38 of season two. This week we are studying 2 Corinthians chapters 1 through 7. And the greatest amount of instruction that was given to the ancient churches was actually given to the church in Corinth. They have a total of 29 chapters written to them. And the runner-up is the church in the ancient city of Thessalonica. They only had eight chapters. So I love that we're able to study Corinthians right now and and see all of this doctrine that um, Paul was teaching to them at the time. I also love realizing that ancient people had problems with understanding doctrine too. They had challenges with doctrinal drift, which is small, steady deviations from what the prophets have taught, just like we do today. I think sometimes it's easy to think that people in former times had it much better than us, or that in the so-called good old days, that that would have been the better time to live. But I think it's clear that everyone has problems. Every period in the earth's history has had problems. And instead of investing our energy and wishing we could be in some other time or some some other circumstance, I think we can focus our strength on how we can improve our current situation. As I studied this week's reading, one clear theme came out. It was the theme of personal trials and how to deal with them. And this is a common theme that Paul has reiterated throughout his teachings, but there was so much good stuff in these chapters in 2 Corinthians. So let's look at several scriptures that kind of highlight this teaching. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9, we read, We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. And I love this scripture because it is an example of flexible thinking. When I was doing research as a doctoral student at BYU, one of the things we studied was we were looking at any possible connections between mental health and religious functioning. And among other things, we found that being too rigid in our thinking, regardless of whether that was religious or secular thinking, that that rigidity was associated with worse mental health. Being flexible in our thinking across the board is seems to alleviate or at least mitigate mental health issues. And this scripture highlights that. It says that we can be troubled, but not distressed. We can be perplexed or confused, but not in despair. And it's basically the equivalent of a person saying, I know that there are bad things in my life right now, but I'm going to be okay. Or I can still find peace and happiness in the middle of troubling times. That's an example of flexible thinking. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. If there's one thing bad in our life, that doesn't mean everything is bad in our life. Or if even there's one significantly bad thing in our life, that doesn't mean everything is bad. There's good to be found, but we have to be flexible and creative as we think about that. The prophet Nephi, son of Lehi, expressed this same concept in the very beginning of the Book of Mormon. We read in 1 Nephi chapter 1, verse 1, I, Nephi, having been born of goodly parents, therefore I was taught somewhat in all the learning of my father. And having seen many afflictions in the course of my days, nevertheless, having been highly favored of the Lord in all my days, yea, having had a great knowledge of the goodness and the mysteries of God, therefore I make a record of my proceedings in my days. Nephi says that he saw many afflictions in the course of his days, yet he was also highly flavored of the Lord. And that's an example of flexible thinking. It's He was able to see the good even in the middle of the bad. 
And this is a very important skill for improved mental health. If we get too focused on the details or the moment to moment distresses in our lives, then we often become more anxious and depressed. We have to take a more expanded view that even though today might be bad, tomorrow is probably going to be better or that we can even make tomorrow better by changing our perceptions. Or even though today might be bad, uh, it can help me become stronger in the long run. That's that flexible thinking. And Paul teaches this as well in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Paul's talking about seeing things from an, an eternal point of view. Now, when he says light affliction, I want you to understand that he's really trying to employ an eternal perspective here, because we know from Paul's own account that his sufferings included multiple beatings, multiple incarcerations, even being shipwrecked three times. There were many times when death seemed imminent in his life, or maybe even when death may have been welcomed over what he was going through. He says this as much in 2 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 8. He says, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Paul is a great example of being able to think flexibly about his difficulties, because even being the victim of such great tragedies, he considered them, quote, light affliction compared to the great blessings that he knew would eventually come. And as we start to think more flexibly about our challenges, we can develop more hope and happiness as well. And there's another great teaching related to this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1. It says, we then, as workers with him, beseech you that you receive not the grace of God in vain. This caught my attention. I thought, what does it mean to receive the grace of God in vain? And I think one possible interpretation is that when we are taught some heavenly lesson, we need to take it to heart and not discard it. If we have an experience that encourages us to think differently about our trials, and then we do not change our thinking, but resort back to our old ways of thinking, I believe this is an example of receiving grace in vain. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3, Paul talks about gospel truths being written in the fleshy tables of our hearts. To me, that means deep understanding and acceptance. It means changing our perceptions about things. I think another way that we can receive grace in vain is if we don't use our trials to benefit others. Uh, when you go through something difficult, it makes you that much more prepared to help someone else who is going through a similar trial. Uh, Paul teaches this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 4. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. So what Paul is teaching here is that when we go through something and we are comforted because of that, then we become better able to reach out to others and, and help them through the same experience. And by this teaching, no trial or negative experience is ever wasted. In fact, they can become teaching and refining moments that make us better able to help others um, along their life journeys. 
And this is one of the things that the Savior experienced when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. We know that he not only suffered for our sins, but he suffered for our non-sinful afflictions as well. He suffered for depression. He suffered for anxiety. He suffered for the heartbreak of divorce or the heartbreak of losing a child or having a wayward child. He knows perfectly all of those experiences because he went through them himself. And that makes him one of our greatest, or I should say our greatest advocate. We are able to have those experiences on a much smaller scale, but then that makes us wonderful advocates for others. Um, as we faithfully endure our trials, we can become better equipped to provide comfort, guidance, and support to others who suffer. And this truly makes us more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. I always end my podcast episodes with an invitation to act and invite you to give prayerful consideration to which of these invitations might be good for you to do to help you along your spiritual and mental health journey. And so here's this week's invitation. Think of a trial that you have endured successfully. Write down a few truths that you learned through that process. And then write down how could someone going through a similar trial benefit from the truths that you learned. I have free worksheets you can download to help you remember and uh, implement the weekly invitations. To find out how to get these, just sign up for my email newsletter. You can find that link in the show notes. I also invite you to subscribe to the podcast and please share it with people that you think could benefit from it. There's written transcripts of the podcast as well. You can find that link in the show notes. Thank you for listening. And until next time, this is Dr. David Morgan reminding you that change is possible, but change requires action and to always keep moving forward. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more, please visit Dr. Morgan's website at www.drdavidtmorgan.com.